Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, your greater glory our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, John's Gospel is quite different to the other three Gospels. And uh, it was written by John when he was an old man. And the other three Gospels had already been written, and they were already in circulation. People were reading them, copying them out by hand, and passing them on to other churches so that they could read the Gospel as well. Although John was uh, an, ID, uh, an eyewitness to Jesus' life and ministry, he didn't try to write down everything that he knew. He... Uh, selected seven miracles, he calls them signs, and uh, seven conversations, seven significant conversations where Jesus spoke to people and they, the conversations revealed who Jesus was. So today's um, uh, reading shows us details of the beginning of the early church that the other Gospels don't show us, that don't tell us. Jesus, uh, John's aim in writing was that so that we could have life in his name. And you can find a, a very interesting description about the Gospel at the end of his Gospel, where he says, um, many things could be written, but what I've written is written so that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. It's in chapter 20, verse 30. Today's gospel reading is uh, something new. Jesus had already been baptized in the River Jordan, as we've been thinking about during the last few weeks, and God had showed John the Baptist that Jesus was the Savior who had been promised. Now, after Jesus' baptism, Jesus went out into the wilderness he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where he spent 40 days sorting out what kind of a king he was going to be. Matthew and Luke describe the temptations that Jesus faced. John doesn't bother to do that. Jesus refused to accept Satan's alternative methods of being a king. He was tempted to go for materialism, providing bread for everybody. He was tempted uh, to court populism by jumping off the temple and, uh, and showing uh, big signs in public to convince people that he was the Messiah. And he also rejected Satan's methods of brute force and become a king by military means. And so Jesus knew that uh, God's way to become king was through the power of self-giving love, reaching out to people and giving himself in so many different ways. By choosing to take the way of the cross, Jesus revealed God's glory. God's glory is not seen in flashing lights and demonstrations of power. God's glory is seen in Christ dying 
on the cross. By taking the way of the cross, Jesus revealed God's glory and showed what God is really like. John the Baptist had already attracted a group of people, a group of men uh, who became his disciples. And after they had been baptized, some of them went back home and carried on with their ordinary work. Some of them stayed with John to learn from him and to be his helpers. And there was a group of friends around John the Baptist who uh, were committed to seeing the kingdom of God come. They were, they, that, that's why they'd come. They were united in a desire to see God's kingdom come. And when Jesus returned from the wilderness and was walking past John the Baptist, John pointed to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples that were standing with John at the time followed Jesus. And when Jesus saw them following him, he said to them, what do you want? And they were uh, probably like we often are. They didn't quite know what they wanted. And they said, uh, where are you staying? And Jesus invited them to go with him. Come and see, he said. Come and see. And when people first come to church, they don't always realize what they're looking for. When Jesus invites us, he invites us to enjoy a personal encounter, a relationship with him. Come and you'll see. And these two disciples of John the Baptist went with Jesus, and that was the start for them of a progressive, growing experience of following Jesus. And that's the way many of us have come to know and to love God uh, through our own experience. One of the two disciples in the gospel, uh, in that gospel reading, was not named. John, who wrote his gospel, is often discreet about his own role. He doesn't talk about himself. He talks later on, he talks about the disciple that Jesus loved, but he doesn't mention his name. And in this passage, uh, um, he doesn't mention his name. But we, we know it's him, and we get this story because he knows the detail of what happened, and he's writing it. The other disciple was Andrew. We don't know what they talked about as they walked along with Jesus, going to see where he was, where he was staying. But Andrew became convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, and so he went to find his brother, who had also come down to John the Baptist. And uh, his brother was Simon, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus gave him a new name, called him Peter. Now these men had all come down from the, to the Jordan and stayed with John the Baptist because they hoped that uh, 
God's promises of a coming saviour were, were being fulfilled. And they wanted to be part of it. They wanted to be part of the action. They wanted to be involved in the coming of God's kingdom. Now, isn't that the same way, uh, the same thing that fires us in our service for God? We're called into fellowship with one another and with God, and we're called into fellowship with the one who has the words of eternal life. <clears throat> it's because of our faith, our life with God, it's because it is so precious to us that we want to share it with others. And Andrew and John followed Jesus because of John the Baptist's witness. Philip needed to be invited. Philip was uh, a skeptic. Jesus found him because he was going up to, uh, he was going back to Galilee, and uh, he said to Philip, "Follow me." Andrew, Peter, John, and James all came from the same town. They were all came from Bethsaida. Doesn't tell you that in the story, but that you gather that from it tells you in different places where they came from. They'd grown up together. They already knew each other. They introduced their families to Jesus. They, uh, they introduced their friends to Jesus. And that was the way that uh, things happened in the gospel. Parents brought their children to Jesus. The four friends carried a paralyzed man, their friend, to Jesus. That was the way the gospel spread. That was what happened. And Philip set off, having met Jesus, to find Nathaniel. Nathaniel needed convincing. And uh, many of those we pray for also need convincing. And Nathaniel didn't come from Beth Bethsaida like the others. Philip must have met him at the Jordan with John the Baptist. But he knew that he was interested. He wanted the kingdom of heaven. So he went to find him and he said, uh, we found the one. Uh, it's uh, Jesus from Nazareth. And uh, Philip is skeptical. He says, Nazareth? Nazareth was just around the corner of a hill from, uh, from Cana where uh, Nathaniel came from. So it was, might have been a bit of local rivalry. But it does sound as if he's snobbish and skeptical about Nazareth. Philip doesn't argue with him. What did he say? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. We can't argue uh, people into the kingdom of heaven. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to pray for our friends. Pray for them that they might, that the Holy Spirit might touch their hearts and that they will come to know, uh, uh, know God. There's another example here, that curious story about Nathaniel. It's a very enigmatic conversation. Nathaniel comes towards Jesus, and Jesus greets Nathaniel with this strange greeting, a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Is Jesus just using flattery? It seems an odd thing to say to someone that you haven't met yet. 
a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. So skeptical Nathaniel asked Jesus, how do you know me? Has a, it didn't mention this, but has Philip been telling you about me? Could be that. That could be implied in what he's, he's saying. How do you know me? But Jesus had not been listening to Philip. Jesus has had an insight into what was happening to Nathaniel before Philip found him when Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree. When Nathaniel heard that, his skepticism was wiped out. He was instantly convinced that what Philip had said about Jesus was true. But we're not given any explanation for it in, in John's Gospel. Except that this, this idea of the Israelite and, uh, and the Jacob's ladder also comes into play in Jesus' answer. Nathanael answered Jesus, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Now, he may not have understood completely what that meant at the time, but he was certainly clear about it. And, and the truth is that the Holy Spirit must have been at work in Nathanael under that fig tree. And when, when Jesus points out that he knows about that, Nathanael is completely convinced had Nathaniel been having some kind of similar experience to that which Jacob had had at Bethel? Jacob was a real trickster and a deceiver. In a way, he didn't deserve anything from God. He'd stolen uh, his brother's uh, blessing. He'd stolen his brother's birthright. And he was running away from his family in disgrace. He was afraid of his brother's revenge because of his cheating. But God is a God of grace. And uh, Jacob, out on the hillside, alone, f sets down to sleep. What has he got for a pillow? A stone that he finds on the ground. And he lays down to sleep. And while he is sleeping, he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a stairway going up to heaven or a ladder and angels going up and down on it. And at the top, at the uh, head of the ladder, or the head of the stairway, is God. And God communicates with him. And God says, um, makes promises to him that he will be with him and that he will come back to this place and inherit the land. But it was when Jacob returned to the promised land that God met him again and changed his name to Israel. You see, to be a true Israelite is to be a true believer. And Jacob, uh, Nathaniel, Jesus says, is a true Israelite. And I think this links with um, the story of Jacob and the story of Nathaniel. Jesus assured Nathaniel 
and the others that they would see greater things than Jesus being able to know what's going on in somebody's head miles and miles away. We do see the other aspect, other situations with that when Jesus knows exactly what's going on in uh, Nicodemus's head when he comes to Jesus and, and he says to him, puts his finger spot on his need, he says, what you need is to be born again. We see it as well when Jesus is talking with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he says uh, to her, oh yes, he said, uh, I know that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and now you're living with a man that you're not married to. Jesus has that possibility, and he knows what's going on in our hearts as well. He sees it. But it's not something that we need to be afraid of, because he doesn't see it and judge us. He sees it, and he looks at us through eyes of love, and he cares for us more than we care for ourselves. He's longing for us to know our way and find our way to him. So Jesus uh, assured Nathaniel and the others, if you follow me, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. If you follow me, you'll see what it's like when heaven and earth come together. And that's what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Is that right? It's what our prayer is. You follow me and you will experience what it is when heaven and earth come together. Because when we submit our lives to Jesus, he is, uh, the kingdom of God comes in our lives. And these early followers of Jesus came to him and stayed with him and they found out that wherever Jesus was, was the place where people could meet with God. It was the new Bethel the new house of God, the new temple. And the situation of those early disciples was quite different to the situation that we face in Eindhoven this today. They were in a, a, a place where many people were longing for the Lord God to step in and send a savior. John the Baptist, God's, promise, God's prophet, warned them, and they turned to God uh, in repentance and faith and were baptized. Jesus came and touched and healed people and taught them about the kingdom of God himself. Our situation is different to that. We live within a humanistic culture that, where, that thinks it's grown up and doesn't need God. But I have found through 40 years of ministry that even in Western Europe, through quiet witness, there's a steady stream of people coming to God, finding faith and meeting with God. And I want to uh, 
mention for probably the last time about the Alpha course. Because um, it's a great way for people to come and see. Jesus said, come and see. And the Alpha course is a good way for people to come and see. We can pray for people that join the course, make it part of our daily prayers. We can uh, let the Holy Spirit and the course itself convince people. We don't need to convince people. We don't need to argue with them. We can recommend our friends to do the course, and if they want to do it, we can do it with them. Do it on, on Zoom with them. And the gospel of Jesus is still the way to the life with God that will satisfy our deepest needs. So let's uh, have a prayer, shall we? Father God, we thank you for the call of Jesus on our lives to come and follow him. May we see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen.